0: Well, good morning. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, been a joy to, to preach here over the last several years. I was actually listening to uh, a message from 2015 where I preached in John. So we're going to return there. But I was listening to that message from 2015 um, that I preached here. So it was kind of fun to go back on your website and flip back through those. Uh, But yeah, it's great. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. Um, Thanks for your prayers for Miracle Mountain Ranch as we get started. Um, We've kind of been at the summer camp thing here for a little while. We've had an outside group come in, then we have staff training, and then we had Buckaroo Camp, which is the little kids, and then and then today starts like you know there'll be about 170 kids, and so uh, the Lord's really blessed the outreach and the chance to share the gospel. So there's like 150 more kids signed up right now at the same time as there was last time at the same time. So that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot for us. So just excited about that. But um, children's ministry is not easy, as probably many of you that volunteer in that work. There's just a lot of things you have to keep after. You're, you're caring for people's children. And, uh, and so we try to be very careful with that and intentional. So just just pray it goes well. with The horses cooperate and all the things that happen. And um, so, but we just uh, we thank you for the partnership that you guys have just blessed over the years, as far as um, staying in touch and coming to volunteer. I stayed with Wally and Nesta last night, and we were, you know, talking about the years that they've, you know, poured in. I remember coming with Lou down here in around 2001, 2002. So it's been fun to visit over those years. But just yeah, just I thank you for that rich history that way. And I think even as we turn to the scriptures, it, it's fun. As you look at the scriptures and when Paul goes and talks to another church, kind of brings in some of that history of them doing something together. And so I thank you that we've been able to do that together for, for many more years than I've even been involved there. So that's fun. This morning, if you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 20, the resurrection, that's where we're going to be at. I'll try to keep this to two hours or so. Um, Kurt said 15 minutes would be better. So we'll 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 split it in a half some somewhere there I think. I want to read the entire chapter. I don't know if you're supposed to do this. I even wrote Master Pastor Matt and uh, Master Matt. That might be another term for him, but uh, Pastor Matt and I and I said, you know, is it crazy to try to to want to preach the the whole chapter? You know, on on John chapter twenty. And he's like, well, probably, but it's it could be done. So I'm I'm going to. Take a swing at it this morning, and I'll tell you why. It's because when I read this chapter, it it's a story, it's a narrative, and I love stories and narratives, and I like to preach through those. And I think when we look at the end of the chapter, which you can see represented up here on this screen, it tells us the goal, that it's helpful to read it all, this chapter, and to think of it all. Now, there's a lot of Digging into it that you can do, that we're not going to do today. But as far as a story that moves us, I think reading and preaching through and talking about the whole chapter can really help us get the point of this chapter. And that's that we would believe in Jesus Christ and have life in his name. Amen. So if you wonder what the point of the message is, there it is. All right, There it is. Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to come back to Lance and share. I thank you for the many, many years of connection that I've had with this even before my time and my family's connection with people in this church for almost 40 years. I'm thankful for this church's faithfulness to the Word, faithfulness to their to their outreach in their community, their hospitality and, and hosting us and others. And I pray that that will continue and grow and be blessed in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So in the in your bulletin, the whole deal is printed for you. So if you look in your bulletin, um, you'll have the same translation, the ESV that I'm preaching from this morning. You know, if you don't want that one, that's fine, but just so you know, you, we can be on the save, save uh, page. And it might be helpful because this is what I want you to do with that, with that piece of paper. I want you to get the little pencil that is in front of you. And I want you to highlight things that touch your heart this morning. So this is kind of interactive. I want you to circle those and take them home with you. Because I think this will move you. And I want you to, to remember it as much as possible. To remember the things that move you. When you hear this story, let's read it together. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter the other, and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. That would have been John. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they had laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciples, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. We're going to come back to some of these details, because they're kind of fun. You start to read it, and you you can picture it, right? So I'm a photographer, and I think it also attracts me to this passage, because... Close your eyes and just picture this. It's early, right? Mary Magdalene goes there and finds the tomb is empty. They've they've rolled away the stone. She hasn't really fully investigated the whole thing, but realizes something's changed. And they're running. They're running. Think of the emotion. And stopping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. Of course he did, right? It's kind of Peter's way. You have your own Peters here, maybe they're like that too. A little you know, charging forward, I don't know. But Peter was definitely, you know, a unique figure that way. It's no surprise that he he, he went right in, right? I, I like, he's probably my favorite. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, whom had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the Scriptures that He must rise from the dead. Then the other disciples went back to their homes. Verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb, and she saw the two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid. One at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you if you have carried away, carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will and I will take him away. Jesus said to her. Mary. She turned and said unto him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to the Father, your Father, to my God, your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he said these things to her. Now evening of the first day. Of the week, the doors being locked, and the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, they had locked the doors, right? You can imagine all the you know, the fear that would have surrounded this, the uncertainty that surrounded this, but it only aided fright in, in, in the proof to follow. Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. It <laughs> might have been a little interesting, right? Hey, peace. You know, <laughs> like, wait a minute. We locked the doors. Like, what? What just happened? I will hold back to preaching. We'll come back to that. Just there's these little things you gotta. You gotta. I'm hoping you're catching the story as we're going through this. You're starting to picture these things and paint this in your mind. Capture them. They didn't leave us with a photographer back then, right? So we have to picture these things. Maybe it's better that way. Ever watch a movie? Have you read the book before? And it kind of messes it up? This is left to your imagination from the story we have before us. And I think it's pretty wonderful. Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them the hands and the side. And the disciples were glad and they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said these, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now on to Jesus and Thomas. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have se- we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of his nails and place my fingers into the mark and place my hands into the side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Although the doors being locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to them, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me yet have believed. Speaking to us today, right? Not seeing Jesus in the physical form. But you've heard of him and yet you believe. Verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus, believe that Jesus in the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. All right. So we read through that. I want to kind of. Go go back and um, and and walk through things that I, I found you know notable in in this passage. But I, and I, I want to expand on it and give us you know direction. But I also I just I really want you to take it in, because I think we can simply read those scriptures as a group. And come to the conclusion, that's on the screen, right? He did many other signs and wonders. But these things are written so that we might believe and have life in his name, and that and that's the goal. I, in some of my studies, there were a couple little commentaries I read, but this one um, was a particular note. I really enjoyed J.C. Ryle's uh, information on this and, and found it extremely helpful. So if you're looking for another resource to dig deeper, this was, this was very encouraging and very easy to read, and I, I much enjoyed it. So I thought I'd mention that to you if, if you... You know, sometimes you've got a lot of books and you might not realize you have this on your shelves. And this is kind of the case. I was looking for some more notes on John and turned around and I had this on my shelf. It was not one I use all the time, but I think it will be. I, I much enjoyed it. Let's go back to the beginning, though, and some, some notes uh, that I have on this passage. You know, Mary Magdalene was um, an interesting figure here in this in this chapter they made note in this book i was reading having received much she loved much and it said this note here she was last at his cross and first at his grave she stayed longest there and was soon to be here she could not rest till she was up to seek him she sought him when it was still dark even before she had the light to seek Him by. It's also interesting that she stayed the longest. She stayed until she got it figured out. My question to you this morning is, will you stay until you have it figured out? Will you read a passage like this and, and linger until it has really affected your life? And you can see that here, she, she stood there and, and stayed and was rewarded in a different way than the other ones, right? What was her reward? She got to see Jesus. She got to see Jesus. She got to see the angels. She was there as He, as he died. And one of the very first ones to see him when he rose. Other notes here, you know, back up just a little bit. Um, you know, the running. I, I wrote down in my notes. You know, you can feel the the anxiety. And I would sum up this this whole passage as you kind of have the problem, the investigation, and the conclusion. And so, in the beginning, you have the problem. Being that, you know, Mary goes and comes early to the tomb while it's still dark and, and she realizes that the stone had been rolled away. This was concerning. We see down a little bit farther that it says they did not understand that he must rise from the dead. So all of the stuff that they had heard, that he had said to them, it took a while for that to Really bake in and for them to see it. You know how you're told certain things, but it takes a while for you to internalize them? This probably sums up like, you know, the years from like 16 to like 25. You know, you're told all these things. You should do this. And you should Until you live a little bit, you know, it can be hard to appreciate the knowledge that you have. And And so they had been with jesus and seen this and you have the upper room and i lo- that's what i preached on before i was here you know and he sat down with his disciples and he told them this is how it's going to go down and this is what's going to happen but it was still new to them they still didn't understand what was happening but it it made sense over time and so you have the problem and then you have the investigation so they go and I love how it shows the detail, and you can close your eyes and picture and see them running. John and Peter and, and, and Mary Mary Magdalene, and, and it's interesting that, that Peter got outrun, you know? So may, maybe he was a little out of shape. Maybe he just wasn't a runner. Maybe he in, internalized it a little bit different, thought, I just need to walk. I don't know, but he, he didn't get there as soon. But John got there, and, and he wasn't going to go in, you know? Ah, I'll stay right here on the edge. So just... Look in and Peter gets there and he's just right in, you know, and Peter, that's totally like him. You could read all his fun stories where he kind of has a tendency to put his foot in his mouth. It seems like I think that's fun for some of us. They're maybe more verbal or a little a little bit uh, hasty with things, but it's not it's not uh, shamed here at all. It was great. He went in. He aided in this kind of figuring things out. He he goes into the tomb and sees these things. They didn't fully understand all these things. Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb, saw the linens there, the linen cloth lying there. Um, But but it does say that they saw and believed. They saw and believed for yet they did not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the other disciples went back. So then he goes on to this time with Mary. Mary stays. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. She wept and stooped to look inside of the tomb. She saw the two angels sitting in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. Woman, why are you weeping? They have taken away my Lord. I love the way that she asked these questions, you know, of Jesus. When Jesus starts talking to her and and She supposes him to be the gardener and kind of lets him have it, right? I mean, imagine how she says this, you know, very formal at this point. This is in verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek supposing him to be the gardener? She says to him, sir, you know, I think probably quite passionately, sir, If you if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. You know. Maybe the tears are flowing at this point, even too much to see. She's so overwhelmed by the emotion of the moment. But then Jesus says to her, and I you know, I kind of get a little bit emotional when I hear this, because it's you can imagine it being in your name. And Jesus says, Mary. And she turned and said, teacher. And in this, you know, very human experience, she goes to cling to him. And uh, he has to kind of set it straight. As he does, this is a rolling out of the next phase of his ministry and impact on work. He's like, wait a minute. You can't cling to me in the same way. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But this is what you can do with this emotion and this passion and this newfound truth that you have. Go to my brothers and say to them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God your God. So it's it, this is very helpful to us because you can see he's making himself known to the world. This is this is the gospel, you know, being lived out and Mary gets to be the one To go to the disciples and tell them this. And I love that quote To my Father, your Father, to my God, your God. This is a personal relationship, and this is what we have today. Amen? This is what we have. This is the same connection. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord. And then you have that experience here on down through where it's just more rolling out. As we read this story, we keep going. It goes, okay, throughs, right from there into the next one. It says, on the evening of the day, the first day of the week, doors being locked, and the disciples, you know, the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Which, you know, God got to imagine. I mean, it would just be kind of interesting if we had all these doors locked and we just happened to glance and we glance back. And then, you know, there's like somebody that wasn't there before. And we're like, wait a minute, you know. This would be pretty interesting stuff, right? You got to really internalize this for a time. Some of you are like, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's Look at all the sunshine outside, you know. Uh, we're going to get there, but for a second here, just think about how crazy this would have been the doors all being locked, and there's Jesus just right amongst them. What's up, guys? How's it going? You know. Maybe it didn't record all the words that really said right then, because I imagine there were all kinds of, you know, like happiness and joy and fear and trembling and kind of like, you know, and they were inquisitive. Right. And Jesus knew that they were inquisitive and that they needed to see this. And this was this is all a part of his divine plan to reveal himself to the world in this way. Peace be with you. Why? Why did you say peace be with him? They were fearful. They, were fe- they feared for their lives. Here's these guys have been as close to Jesus as anybody followed him around. the world is in you know turmoil. just had the crucifixion, you know they'd turned the political system upside down in ways and so they knew that look your leader's not there anymore and a lot of times once the leader falls, what happens? You always see this in other countries as the leader goes and then sometimes, Everybody that followed that person gets wiped out. It seems like that's the case, that they're worried about. But he says to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed him his hands and his sides. And that's the report we have today. So we can, we can think through that. We don't get to physically touch his, his hands and, and put our hands in his side. But we get to read about this account as well. I think about the fact that, you know, well, why hadn't the camera been invented yet? Wouldn't it be so cool to have pictures of this? But, you know, we have pictures today and there's probably more uncertainty about anything that happens in the world. And pictures don't do us any good. You know, they have pictures of them being on the moon. People still don't believe it. And maybe it didn't happen. See, see where it is? We don't, you know, we're like, we don't. So he left it, not to the photographer, not to the technology of a camera, not to the ability to Photoshop the image, but he left it to real living witnesses that are actually far harder to control to all collaborate, you know, this and, uh, and share, and share it with the world. I think that's interesting from a, from a photographer's uh, you know, perspective. When the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord... Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. See, this is a consistent rolling out of, okay, there's a plan. Like, I died on the cross, rose, and I'm ascending to my Father. But as I'm leaving, I am sending you. Now this morning, how do you think that applies to us? Are we being sent? What are we supposed to do with the good news? Just sit on it? I don't think so. So I'm sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, I'm receiving, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. If you withhold them forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Next, we have Jesus experience with Thomas. And I was reading and it was said, you know, kind of, in a way thank goodness for thomas because it's even more proof for for us you know by his doubt we get really a doubling of the of the experience here here because you could kind of condemn him be oh thomas come on why didn't you who relates to thomas this morning do you ever doubt i'm a doubter i'll be honest and you listen to you know All the things, the news, and all the doubt. I mean, we live in an age where faith in Jesus Christ is under fire. And it is easy for me to doubt. I'll confess that this morning. And so, I think that this all being a part of God's plan, he had Thomas there for a reason. To help us believe. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin... Was not with them when Jesus came. I don't think that's an accident. I think that's God's plan. I know that that's God's plan. So the other disciples told him. See, this is like they told him. They told him, Thomas, look, this is what happened. I don't believe it, right? Can you imagine this little exchange? I don't believe it. What does he say? We've seen Thomas. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Eh. But he said to them, unless, unless I. See his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into the side. I will never believe maybe he's struggling with a little pain here. He's followed Christ and Christ died and he was like, it's over. Evidently, he believed that, but it wasn't the case. Jesus deals with him kindly, and in a way that He deals with us. And this is this is what you can take for your own heart and even your friends to know that this is the Lord that we serve. What does He do? Eight days later, His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He said to Thomas, said to Thomas, turns right to Thomas, right? I mean, this is pretty... You imagine Thomas, like, you know, about the time he says, put your finger here. Thomas knew it was up, right? He was probably, like, remembering his words from, uh, was it, eight days or a couple, you know. Yeah, eight days later. Oh, I said, did I say that? You know, it's like when Peter's like, I will never deny you. And then he does, right? But I think this is for us. As much for Thomas, and he says to Thomas, "Put your finger here, and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it into my side." Can you imagine being Thomas? Do not disbelieve. Do not. It's a command. Take this home with you this week. Do not disbelieve, but believe. This is this is not like, well, don't struggle. It's a. It's also a choice. To believe. And so do not disbelieve. Do not go there. But believe. Thomas answered. My Lord and my God. And And Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me yet believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. In Jesus Christ, the son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. Remember that as you as you go about your week, that's what you have to offer your friends that do not believe. Life in his name. That's that's the good news that we are representing. By God's grace, that's the good news we are representing to the children that come to the ranch. It's The buildings don't mean anything. The horses, they're horses. The grass, it's grass. The mountain, it's just a mountain with a really obnoxious hill to get up in the wintertime. It just happens to be a place where we where we share the good news. And if it wasn't there, it'd be somewhere else. And for you, it's not there, it's somewhere else. It's where you work and it's in your family and and it's and it's in the on the car ride. It's all the little things, the little chances to proclaim the goodness of God to those that are around you. He came, he walked through this with his disciples, but he he had this consistently from the beginning, from the first time that Mary was like, "Teacher, And wanted to cling to him, he's like, this is what you need to do. You need to go and tell the world about what you have seen and that you believe. And I believe that that is your commission this week, as with every week, is to go and to share the gospel. And in that sharing of the gospel with others, it will transform your life. This is the thing we miss. We're like, my spiritual life's not doing very well. Are you... Are you sharing? Because you've been commanded and made to glorify God by loving other people. And what is the most loving thing you can do to other people is to share the gospel with them. Uh, Bake them a cake, bake them bread, bake them cookies, whatever it is. But make sure you actually are loving on them by sharing the gospel, the good news with the world as well. And then your, your relationship with Christ will, you'll be blessed. I, trust me, you'll be blessed, you'll be blessed, you'll be blessed. If you go and do this same thing by going and loving other people. So when you have those different opportunities this summer to invite people to the church, and that's what those things like cruise-ins and different things are, is creative ways, right? Like the miracles were to have a conversation with someone, to say, come and hear the good news. Now, your job is to share the good news, not to save these people. But it is our job to proclaim. Let us pray that we may see the sinfulness of sin and the amazing grace of Christ more clearly and distinctly. Help us to realize this week that we are sinners in need of saving, that Christ has saved us and made us righteous before him, and that we should go and to share these things with the rest of the world. My hope is that as you look at this verse here, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is Christ. name. Amen? Don't keep that to yourself, right? Don't keep it to yourself. Take it. Take it to your neighbors, to your friends, and and you will be so blessed by by that ministry that you have to those other people. I would encourage you this week to take that piece of scripture home and to reread it reread it in a quiet place where you can close your eyes and relive moment by moment those those little, that story that happened at the resurrection. There's really something that happens when we're able to picture that. And God gave us the ability, imagine if you couldn't, if you couldn't picture anything in your mind, but he gave us that ability. And I believe that ability helps us helps us believe. Helps us believe.